Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The NFL season may be over, but that doesn't mean you have to stop betting. There's plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag, including their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest. You only need $10 to enter, but be sure to do so before March 19th. You can also bet on the NBA, the NHL, my personal favorite, NFL draft props, and so much more. Head on over to betonline.ag today and put your sports knowledge to the test. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians here with you on a Monday. Guys, we let the NFL free agency breathe a little bit, and we've created a bit of a backlog for ourselves of fantasy moves to discuss some signings over the weekend. So a lot to get into here on the show. We're going to talk about Juju, Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver market kind of thawing out. An interesting move. Uh, in Vegas with Kenyon Drake and Will Fuller, another wide receiver coming off the board. So a lot to get into here on the show and plenty more that I'm sure we'll, you know, sidebar into oblivion here on this show like we normally do. Uh, guys, let's start with, I think, the biggest name, the biggest contract. Maybe a surprise that he got this much considering the way the rest of the free agency market went. But Kenny Galladay, New York Giants, four years, $72 million. Jamie, Danny Dimes has himself a number one target in New York. This was the fit we all kind of thought was going to happen. And here we are, Kenny Galladay's New York Giant. He is. And it, it's kind of the move that it's been inevitable this whole time. We talked about the, the visit that he was going on. I was a little surprised to see him come off the board at full price, maybe a little bit beyond full price, um, given what the wide receiver market looked like. I know there were some other reported interest from the Chicago Bears and some other places and Cincinnati Bengals, but Uh, This is going to be interesting because they're really setting up this year to be the no excuses year for Daniel Jones. Uh, They've put some resources into the offensive line. Not enough. They need to put more, especially after releasing Zeitler earlier, but they put they have resources outside now at receiver with Kenny Galladay. You have Darius Slayton, you have Sterling Shepard, you know, got two tight ends that you can feel comfortable with, particularly in the red zone uh, in, in Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph. So they're kind of setting this up now with a defense that was already playing at an extremely high level last year to be this, okay, Daniel Jones, no more excuses. Can you, can you take that next step and be the quarterback we expected you to be when we took you sixth overall, or do we need to start making future plans? From a fantasy perspective here, I'll be curious to see how he fits in because Daniel Jones can sling it deep. And he, he didn't do it a lot, but he did it actually fairly effectively when he was able to last year. So I want to see if Kenny Galladay can kind of be that big play option that he was for so long for Matthew Stafford. You know, as I mentioned on the show before, despite all the hip injuries and all the other stuff that he was dealing with last year, when he was on the field, he still looked like Kenny Galladay. So we didn't see a drop off in fantasy production when he was out there. There are going to be a few different mouths to feed in that offense, but I think there are more names than there are true options. Like to me, 
I don't think Kenny Galladay is seeding targets to Darius Slayton or the Evan Ingrams of the world. I think Sterling Shepard's going to get his. He is, he's a solid option underneath. But to me, I think you're going to get a you know, 110, 120 target type season out of Kenny Galladay if he stays healthy. And I'm really intrigued how he fits into this Giants offense because he could be that game changer that they need to take that offense to the next level, particularly with Saquon Barkley coming back. Not at 100%. We don't expect him to be the Saquon Barkley in year one that he was prior to getting hurt, but he will be better than you know the Wayne Gallmans, the Alfred Morrises, those types of players that they were trying to get to use in the backfield all, off se- all season last year. Man, this team is going to be this right here. The Peter Kings and the Jay Glazers and Sam Farmers and the guys that do the freaking training camp tour are going to show up while they're in shorts, Chris, and they are going to be sexy. Seven on seven, baby, we look good we're slinging it all over the place Saquon's back in short he's not taking any hits and damn we look sexy when they put the pads on they're going to be the Browns from two years ago because I don't give a shit how much you got outside I don't give a shit how good it looks on paper I don't give a shit how good and sexy it looks in shorts if it ain't happening in the trenches I don't know what you're getting accomplished they still want to run it first I'm still under the impression that only one man has ever come back in nine months from an ACL and that's Adrian Peterson I expect Saquon to do it better than most with the size and strength of his lower body. But guys, this ain't, you don't play seven on seven. This isn't like, uh, you know, Gatorade, Under Armour, seven on seven league. This is the NFL. They're going to look phenomenal in shorts. And Sterling Shepard is Emmanuel Sanders 2.0. If he's healthy, he is a phenomenal complimentary piece to a true number one, which is what Kenny Galladay is. I don't hate this move. I love the move. They're going all in to give Danny Dimes everything he needs other than the five dudes in front of him, which we're going to talk about a couple times on these teams that we're talking about today. If you don't have it in the trenches, you're not getting it done. So, like, we talked – Jamie and I were on the same page with the Browns team two years ago. Man, they look great. But this offensive line is going to be the Achilles heel. And what they do last year, they went and fixed it, and they went to the freaking playoffs. The thing I would add here, too, and, Jamie, you brought up a really good point, is this is – this is a prove-it year for Daniel Jones. They're, they're, they're giving him all everything he needs in order to succeed because it has to be a prove-it year for Daniel Jones. They're going to have to decide on his fifth-year option at the end of this season. And then at the end of this season, we start having those, you know, those contract extension talks that we're having this offseason with Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson, right? But they're not giving him everything he needs. Well, they're getting them guys to catch it, but if they ain't got time to throw it, how are you going to evaluate him? Fair, and we can criticize the decisions that they've made in their attempt to give him everything he needs, but ultimately, at the end of this offseason, they are going to have to make a decision with Daniel Jones to pick up the fifth-year option and then give him a contract extension because that's the way the league works now, is after, if you're a first-round pick after three years, we have those contract talk discussions, and we're going to see it when Lamar and Baker and Josh Allen two of those guys, if not all three, set the market again with their contract talk. So they kind of have to give everything to Daniel Jones. Maybe they're not giving him everything that we think that he should be getting, but that's what they're doing here. Well, they're going to have to fix the right side of the offensive line. And and that's why I'm very curious to see what they end up doing, you know, at 11 or what they do the rest of this off season, because I I think now everyone was giving them a receiver at 11 or, or Pitts like that. That was the common mock. You know, now I'm seeing a lot of, you know, whether it's Ojolari or Pay or somebody like that. Like, I, I think you have to seriously start thinking if, if a Rashawn Slater is still on the board at 11, if a guy like that is, you have to improve that side. You're going to have to have a much better season from Andrew Thomas at left tackle. You're going to have to have a better season from Will Hernandez at left guard. You've invested significant draft capital in both of those guys, and they've got a ton of potential, but they need to play at their highest level. And you have just a ton of question marks everywhere else. 
you know, you, you, I mean, Zeitler was a damn good guard for you. I understand you made the cap decision there to move on from him, but you got worse at right guard. You're not sold at right tackle. Maybe it's Matt Pert that's there again, but that was a guy you went, spent a third round pick on last year that you played sporadically. Um, you know, Nick Gates is their set. I mean, they have some holes that you're going to have to fill on that right side if you want this team to be as good as it potentially can be. Uh, I think they need to be in the market there at 11 if one of those guys fall. You don't reach for somebody, but if Slater's there, if he, get, he gets by Dallas, I don't know how you turn down that pick if you're the Giants. Yeah, I love that. I mean, here's the other thing. You still have, like, the Trey Turners of the world, right? you got some of these veteran cap casualty guys. You just had Zeitler. But maybe you can talk them into coming. If they're sitting around for another month, month and a half, guys start panicking a little bit. You could throw a couple bucks at them, come in on a one-year deal and figure it out. Maybe they can do that, and then you can match them with a Slater. And now you look okay. If Fernandez plays up to potential, was a road-grading beast coming out of college who hasn't really figured out the pass-blocking thing. And Andrew Thomas got better as it went on. He started really slow. I mean, we talked about the show a couple times. It was ugly. My thing is, though, when you, when you reel this thing back and you talk to Joe Judge and you listen philosophy-wise, they want to hit you in the mouth, they want to not turn it over, and they want to play really good defense. We proved a lot of that last year. This team played really, really hard. It was not a team you wanted to play. Defensively, they were hit you in the mouth. They were really multiple. They'd come from all over the place. Special teams were solid, and they ran it. But if you're going to give Daniel Jones these weapons and put it on him, there's going to be turnovers. So if you're not running it like that, or Saquon's really not the guy, and you got to go Saquon, Wayne Gallman, we all like Wayne Gallman. I, I just don't know philosophy-wise if it's like, okay, we're, we're doing all this. This ain't really what the head coach wants to do. Is this what Dave Gettleman wants to do? And now where are we at philosophy mixed with the guys that are coaching this, this team that Gettleman's putting together? It's going to be interesting because they do have some weapons. And we love Daniel Danny Dimes being able to air it out. When he's hot, he's hot. But when he's not, man, he turns it over, and that's not what Joe Judge wants to do. Let's talk about the other wide receiver that came off the board last week. And if we thought that Kenny Galladay to the, Kenny Galladay to the Giants was this you know, match made in heaven and it was this thing that we all thought was going to happen – I think this move is the complete opposite of that. Juju Smith-Schuster goes back to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he does so on a one-year, $8 million deal. Jake, you nodded your head in agreement with what I said there. I think out of the, all of the wide receiver moves and all the potential fits that we could have thought of, Juju going back to Pittsburgh was very low on the list. Relationships. I think his relationship with Ben, his relationship with the city and the organization, the Steelers are really good at making you feel like they love you until they don't anymore. And I don't think they will next year after this one-year deal. It was only a million less, apparently, than what Baltimore was, was offering. If you're a Steeler going to the Ravens for a million dollars and then playing those guys that were in your locker room in this weird year with the Caps going back up, I can see how he bought in. But if it's really only a million more than the Chiefs were offering, James, like, that's where we're all like, dude, they're going to throw it 45 times a game minimum, and you're going to be the two who's single-covered all the time because the other two dudes are getting doubled regardless. And the Bucks put on paper what you can do to this team if you could pass rush. But Kelsey still had like 12 catches in the Super Bowl. They're yeah. going to get theirs. But Juju, you were having, as a two, you were having 90 and 1,200 potentially with seven or eight touchdowns. That's my big thing. The biggest thing to me is that Nelson Aguilar gets 13 million. <laughs> yeah. And as a first round pick coming out of SC, they were together. Juju's a second round pick and gets eight. What the hell are these evaluators watching? You're telling me Nelson Aguilar is better than Juju? Or that much better than Juju? It, it, it's, the kid's like a, the kid is like a product of his own humble greatness. That like all of a sudden he's a bad dude for this TikTok stuff. I just I just don't understand how that plays in. There's no way the market for Juju is eight million dollars. 
The no. Raiders could afford eight million dollars, by the way. No, that's the Raiders couldn't. The Raiders couldn't put up ten. We thought the Raiders were gonna have to put up like fifteen or twenty. Like you lose Dallas and Aguilar, you could pay Juju ten. Come on. I, I that that's the fascinating thing here. Is look, I, I we know firsthand that Juju loves being a Steeler, and I, and I get that, and, and he's really bonded with that fan base there in Pittsburgh. So I'm, I'm not going to knock a guy. And by the way, to the point that Jake has brought up on the show before, signing a one-year deal, totally get it. Like, totally get it. Come back to the market. You're still, I mean, still one of the youngest players to hit unrestricted free agency in the league this year. Uh, you know, so come, come back, get your money as the cap starts to go up over the next few years. But if you were looking to go back to a situation when you were familiar with, a fan base you're familiar with, a city you're familiar with, I get it. If you were looking to go somewhere to be to put up the best possible numbers in 2021 to get the biggest possible contract next year, this was the wrong choice. It, I, I think it's as simple as that. Uh, you know, I understand not wanting to go to Baltimore, but that's a team that throws over the middle of the field more than any team in the in the NFL. You go can be the number one receiver there. To Jake's point, in Kansas City, who is actually with incentives. Again, if you hit the incentives, you would have made more money uh, than you than you were in Pittsburgh. But you get to be the number two. You, you don't I guess you're the number three pass catcher but you're the number two receiver you're going to be the guy that gets one-on-ones constantly and maybe more importantly you're going to be the one that's getting national attention throughout the season and you start to talk about like juju as a football brand and juju as his own social media brand you're going to be on national tv all the time you're going to be linked at the hip with patrick mahomes all of the time you're going to be in the best possible scenario to play not one not two maybe three or four postseason games you're putting yourself into a scenario where that is that was the best potential opportunity for you to get the fattest contract next year. That's not to say you couldn't have a decent season, but the reality is, is your average depth of target last year for Juju was 5.6 yards. Like Ben, Ben is not going down the field. The Steelers do not want to use Juju down the field. They want him to be this underneath accumulating type of player. And if they want to take a shot to, to Claypool, they will, but they, they don't use Juju in that way. So I think you're going to get another season where, He's going to put up okay numbers, but everybody, all the narratives that came out about him this year, football-wise, I don't want to talk about TikTok because the reality is, is TikTok has nothing to do with his play. People wanted, people wanted to make the Steelers collapse and Juju's TikTok dances synonymous with each other, even though they weren't. Juju was doing TikTok dances when they were 5-0, 6-0, 7-0, nobody cared. That's so like that saying there's beef with B.A. and Brady for no friggin' reason. Yes. So people wanted to make that up. But on the field, this is not, the, the thought that's what happened and the way he's being used is that, oh, Juju is nothing special now without Antonio Brown. And there's no way he's going to be able to overcome that narrative being in the exact same situation next year. So that would be the concern for me. From a fantasy perspective, you're still, you know what you're kind of going to get. You know, I, I think he's, a, he's got a relatively high floor. Um, you know, but this last year, he was the, the you know, wide receiver 24 in average points per game, finished wide receiver 17 in total points. You know, I look at him right now as probably a high-end wide receiver three. Um, I think you have a high floor, but his ceiling is capped with the way he's going to be used in an offense and with what Ben Roethlisberger is able to do at this stage of his career. So he's still going to be good, and he's still going to hit the market again in, in a year when there's more money to be had. I just – I don't – it seems so easy to say, but I, just, I can't fathom that he is, would have not been in a much better situation in Kansas City than he is in Pittsburgh. And I understand real life comes into play. And you have to actually live your life. It's easy for me to say, go pick up and move halfway across the country. But from a perspective of where you can be the most productive and make the most money a year from now, it wasn't Pittsburgh of those options. Yeah, and not everybody, we, they play for money because it's a job. 
but not everybody lives for the money. And Juju, as we know, is not one of these guys. Like, he's made enough money. He's fine. He doesn't have to live an extravagant lifestyle. He has other stuff he's going to do when he's done playing football. And maybe that comfortability with the quarterback. And, look, Ben has relationships with these guys. Ben's really tight. Ben has his own reputation amongst the fans, the media, and whatever else. But in that locker room, man, those guys love him. And they might think, okay, we, we changed out the offensive coordinator. Maybe this thing changes a little bit. But Juju's probably happy saying, okay, I'll, I'll play this out for one year, see how it goes, and then I'll hit the market and play for whatever I play for. Like, not everybody is – Kenny Galladay saying I'm going to chase the highest dollar, not necessarily the highest or best place for me to play football and live my life. Let's talk about the last wide receiver here on the show today. Will Fuller going to the Miami Dolphins one year. I believe it's $9.6 million uh, that he can get uh, in, in this deal. A, a pretty big amount uh, for Will Fuller is going to miss the first game of next season uh, there in Miami. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this fit here as Tua gets himself uh, another weapon in Will Fuller? Uh, it's interesting. I liked it when we thought Deshaun Watson could still be the quarterback. That doesn't look like that's going to happen. So it looks like it's going to be Tua. I think he probably downgrades his fantasy value. I think it makes them a better team. Him and Devontae Parker with Jacecki, they add another running back with Gaskin who played well. Like Their offensive line is getting better. Like I think they're going to be okay. Tua's going to have to take some serious strides. He's going to have to become an NFL quarterback because Will Fuller doesn't run RPO slants. And Devontae Parker wasn't running a whole lot of those with Tua either. Uh, I think they're a better team for one another one-year deal, another prove-it deal. Uh, Will Fuller, if he can put the suspension stuff behind him, which that absolutely affected this money because we all thought he was going to go for more than this. Um, I, I don't know. I don't love it for fantasy, James, at all. Yeah, I, I kind of have him. I, I've thought about this a little bit more because I think, you know, my initial reaction was, was I kind of liked it. And then the more I've thought about it, the less I've liked it. Um, I think I'd still put him in that wide receiver three, but put, put it this way. I like it for Miami for real football purposes, for fantasy yeah. purposes. Um, I kind of put him right now in that wide receiver three range, uh, which I know is going to kind of be my default in the off season. Cause with, I feel like there's like, you know, 30 guys that you can think is potential wide receiver threes. I liked so much what, of what he did last year. Cause he proved a lot to me because he was in a situation where you had to step up. You had to be the guy. You had to fill Hopkins' shoes, and you had to stay healthy. And they checked all those boxes up until the PED suspension. Now, we don't know. Would he have made it five more games being healthy? Would he have continued the streak? But he was Was good. he healthy because he was only on PEDs for the first time? And, again, we don't know what the PEDs were. Were they recovery? Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different yeah. things. And regardless of what you're feeling about whether they should be used or not, they're not allowed. So right. that's something that you have to consider in this equation. He provides an element to the Miami offense they were missing. And I, and I think that is going to be exciting to see how he can play. But I think a lot of this to me goes, I just don't trust Tua yet. And the, the, if I might. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Behind on these guys. If Ryan Fitzpatrick were still the quarterback, I think we'd both be clapping above our heads. Top 25. He's a top 25 Dude, receiver, Fitzpatrick. Was I'm loving this because Fuller yeah. proved he's a number one. Devontae Parker's a number one with Fitzpatrick. I just two is the question mark. Yeah. And he didn't show me anything last year other than when they needed somebody else, they went to Fitzpatrick who's now gone. And it's not to say he can't get better. The thing that I have a question and you know, if you've listened to the show a long time and how I try to quantify this and I'll be doing the same thing again this year with like 200 plus player projections, it's reasonable to expect that he will get better. Where I have to be cautious is, is just assuming how much. And, th and that's where I don't necessarily know I want to take on that risk to just assume he's going to make 
you know, a big leap forward. And that might mean I miss out on some of these guys. It might mean that there's that a Will Fuller or a Devontae Parker or Mike Dusecki comes off the board as more of a value that I miss out on just because I don't want to trust it. I just, I need to see it with my own eyes first because I think it's so easy to go uh, to disbelieve in linear progression that every time every player is just going to go, they take step one, then they take step two, they take step three. Not everybody's no, Josh Allen, man. No. And, and a lot of times there's an up and down, there's an up and down, there's an up and look at Baker Mayfield. I mean, there, there just, there's, there's a lot of different, there's, there's a lot of different plays or like you have Patrick Mahomes who just starts high and stays there, but every player is different. And so I like Fuller as if you can get him in that wide receiver three territory around round six, I think he's worth a flyer there. Um, assuming the Dolphins don't also end up drafting a receiver in the first round. If they do I that, think they're going to. Then, you, then you're just muddying the value for a lot of these guys. But I think they're fine with the pieces they have. If you, you have Will Fuller, you have Devontae Parker, you have Mike Jusecki, you know, Albert Wilson's coming back to play as a just like reliable slot guy, nothing special, but like will do his job, will be a good, decent option for you slot guy. You still have Preston Williams hanging around. You got Alan Hearns hanging around. You have Limbo. Like they've got enough pieces now that they're going to they're, they're put two at least in a strong position, especially if they can add a running back here to complement along with Miles Gaskin. I like Malcolm Brown, but I think he's more of the, the, the backup that comes in if needed. They're going to put him in position where he's got some weapons around him, and he's got a line that's in front of him that's, that's worthwhile. I want to see him take that step forward before I start buying in at full price for all of these Dolphins' fantasy weapons. By the way, I like this team. I mean, yeah. all they lost was Kyle Van Oy. We're, we heard all these questions about were they losing Xavier Howard? Do they have to make some changes the second day? They didn't lose anything other than Kyle Van Oy. I like this team. My biggest thing with Tua and why, how this translates to fantasy, everything I got from my Alabama contacts was exactly what we saw last year. Couldn't read the whole field. Had to come out quick. Can kind of make some plays with his feet, but not super athletic. He ran around a little bit. He could throw a decent on the run, but he doesn't have escapability. That's how he got hurt in the Mississippi State game his last year at Alabama. I, and then you hear all these receivers coming out this year saying they absolutely prefer Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and Waddle to Tua. I like this team. like That's kind of the question mark. And how much growth is there going to be? Now he's in the same system-ish, but it's still a different play caller. You don't have Ryan Fitzmagic, and, and, the, and that matters, having him in the, in the room. He's one of those guys that, like, cannot practice all week, have a hat on backwards, giant beard, Let's call him up with two minutes to go in the game, and he almost brings us back to win against Denver. And he's a great dude for Tua all week who's going to take the snaps and get ready to play. There's not a lot of those guys out there. That all translates to everybody on this offense now that I think would ha we would have so much higher if that's magic was, was a quarterback. Jamie, I'm extremely disappointed I didn't get my, uh, my, my free space Jamie-ism bingo card of nonlinear progression. I thought I was going to get it right there, and I didn't get it during the big yes, diatribe yes. there. But, but you kind of got it. It's sort of. You didn't say it, though, so I, I wasn't able to mark the, the space off on the bingo card. Uh, those are the three wide receivers we want to talk about here on the show. Let's talk about the three running backs, and I will leave the door open to you, Jamie. Do you want to start about – with the Las Vegas Raiders, or do you want to end with the Las Vegas Raiders and the Kenyon Drake signing? It is your let's, let's end with that one. You want to end let's with end it? With okay, that. all right. So let's start then with Chris Carson, because if you uh, had your eyes on Chris Carson this year in fantasy, you got, I think, what is some great news is that he is going back to Seattle, signs a multi-year deal there to go back to Seattle. He will be the featured back in that system. We don't have to worry about where he's going to fit in a new team. So, Jamie, Chris Carson, back to Seattle. I think this was the best spot for him. Uh, I, I know they have some other backs there, but I'm not 
impressed with them. I'm not impressed with Rashad Penny. And if they didn't spend first round pick on him, which they shouldn't have, nobody would be talking about him. That's the only reason why he continues to be relevant in people's conversations. DJ Dallas, Travis Homers, they're just guys. Carson, he can be a frustrating person to roster in fantasy. I get it because of the injury history from time to time. Uh, even though we kind of solved it last year, but the two years ago, fumbling issues that were a problem. I understand he's not always the most enjoyable, easy, relaxing running back to own. But when he is on the field, he is extremely productive. On a points-per-game basis, in 2019 and in 2020, Carson finishes the RB12. And you want to combine both those years and look at all of the stats combined and all the running backs for the last two years, still RB12. So when he is out there and on the field, he is going to be used. He was used more as a receiver last year than he's ever been used before. Uh, I'm, I'm incredibly interested to see if he can kind of keep that momentum up again this next year. You know, he's somebody that, you know, I would love to take as a, you know, somewhere in that like late third round, early fourth round in redraft leagues. I still think he's a top 20 fantasy running back. He's a great guy to have as your RB too. You know, you're going to have to have some other options on your bench because he might miss some time here and there. But when he's there, he's very, very effective. I mean, the other thing is, what's this offense going to look like? Ru- Ru- let Russ cook is turning and we're putting Russ's ass in the freezer and we're going to run the ball because we fired Brian Schottenheimer and we're redoing this whole thing, right? But the offensive line is still not very good. I love the fit for him. It's amazing how certain teams get passes. This, this, the drafting of the Seahawks, this is a big contract for a running back that not necessarily deserved it when everybody else was off the board. You didn't have to pay him this much, I don't think, to get him to come back. Uh, I, I think it was a little bit of a panic move by them. I love it for fantasy purposes for him. He should be the same player or better. If they can get a little help on this offensive line, if they are going to run it more and then play action to those receivers with Russ and not just let Russ cook, it's all health related because he proved he can catch it. He can be explosive. The fumbling issue kind of went away. It's 100% can he be healthy. Let's move on. Philip Lindsay, one-year deal with the Houston Texans. All right, Jake, here you go. You go first based on the reaction that you gave in the Zoom call, just throwing your hands into the air. There you go. What is this backfield? A mess. Who's, get, who's getting moved? Is David Johnson getting moved? Like, this, the only thing that makes sense is, why the hell would Philip Lindsay go there? He just signed Mark Ingram, who's pretty much done, but he's going to take some touches. David Johnson's there. Now, Philip, you're just going to come be the third down guy? You're not as good a receiver as David Johnson is if he's healthy. Is Philip Lindsay going to be the starter and Mark Ingram takes from him and David's the third round guy? No, because David's making too much money. This makes no sense that this is your running back room. It's pretty solid. But now you don't have anything outside. You have, you have nothing left on this team other than a eh, offensive line, a quarterback with whatever's going on there, a terrible defense, and now you're kind of a loaded running back room-ish. An injury guy, an old guy, and a little guy. Yeah. it's I, it, I, Philip Lindsay had to have better options than this. Again, I, I don't know how uh, the Jets, the Dolphins, uh, some of the Arizona, Pittsburgh, I, I, I'm, I'm – Again, I don't know Phillip what Lindsay in this Arizona play. offense for cheaper than Canyon Drake would have been fascinating to me. Yeah, I just it's. I still think, I still think David Johnson ended up being the quote unquote lead back there at least to start. But this if kind he's of healthy, solid, yeah, if he's healthy, yeah. this kind of solidifies him though as like into the RB three category. Like he's not a top twenty four running back at this point. Lindsay's probably a handcuff. Like I, I think Mark Ingram is more just insurance than anything else. Um, but it's like this – it's just a mess. It's like I, I kind of like David Johnson as a value going into the year because I figured, you know, for however long as he's healthy, he's, he was really productive for them last year. But now he's just like – And that's without them this. throwing it to him. If they would have yeah. thrown it to him, he would have been really productive. 
They and do they do did. that more? Do they line him up more as a receiver with Lindsay in the they back? They might have yeah. to. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, because what you I mean, you have Cooks, you have Randall Cobb, Kiki QT, like that's your receiving core right now. Like, so it, it's, it makes things really, really convoluted. I, I don't think, I think Lindsay is a, a handcuff. That, that's kind of the way I would look at him. Uh, you know, maybe an end of the bench option for you. Pushes David Johnson into that like RB3 territory where he's a, you know, a second flex for you at best. Does any of it change if they don't have Deshaun Watson at quarterback? I think it has to a little bit. Because, well, you know what? Yes and no. Because it's like Deshaun Watson hasn't had a penchant for throwing to running backs. So the question is, well, would so Tyrod Ty Taylor, Taylor throw, dump it off a little bit more? I don't know if it would affect a lot. Because it, none of these guys are high enough where I think it's going to drop them considerably at this point. Yeah. But like, it, it, just, it just feels like a mess from a fantasy perspective. It could, it really David does. Johnson could be tremendous value with Tyrod, I think. This, this is an interesting conversation. We should look at it a yeah. little bit. I mean, Deshaun Watson didn't throw it to him a lot. He plays hero ball. They went five wide more than anybody in the league, and he started taking what the defense was giving him for the first time ever, and he looked a lot better. I'm still not real sure how he reads defenses pre-snap or during the snap, but he got better at it. But Tyrod doesn't make mistakes. And that dump off, getting David Johnson in space two, three, four times a game, could be fascinating because if you get him as that RB3 you're talking about and he stays healthy, there could be some value there. That team's going to suck. Good point. But two-minute, second, late, late second half kind of stuff with Tyrod, I think you could, you could maybe hit a home run with David Johnson as a, as a flex position. The last guy on our list to talk about here on the show today signs a two-year deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. Kenyon Drake joining Josh Jacobs in that running back room in Vegas. And it just feels like a – a recurring theme on this show to dunk on John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders with some of the moves that they make. Jamie, I'll start here with you. Kenyon Jake probably going to fit more into that sort of, I believe he calls it the Joker role Gruden does up there in Vegas, using him all over the place, putting him out at wide receiver, uh, being a complimentary piece in that running back room. How do you see this shaking out fantasy-wise? Uh, that we can definitively say again, um, for all of the Josh Jacobs pass-catching truthers, that they do not trust him to be a pass-catching running back. I was one. I'll <laughs> own it now, so Chris doesn't have to look it up after the season. I, he should be. He can should be. be, but they don't trust I'll him. Still, I'll still say but they don't. And they don't, they don't trust him, him in that role. Uh, the, the biggest impact here is Jacobs' fantasy value because, like, last year he ended up finishing as the RB12 in fantasy points per game. But he had to work – Really, really hard to get there. He had 273 carries over 15 games to get there because he's not being used as much as a pass catcher. If he's off the field a little bit more, which, by the way, we saw prolonged stretches last year where freaking Devontae Booker was getting series and Theo Riddick was getting series. It wasn't just like the Jalen Richard like popping up here and there like it was a couple years ago. They... I understand from a football perspective wanting to limit Josh Jacobs' work a little bit, not run him completely into the ground. But from a fantasy perspective here, this is terrible news. If, if you're like a Josh Jacobs fantasy you know, manager or you've, you're carrying him over in Dynasty League. Like right now, I kind of pushed him back down. I think I had him right around that like RB 12, 13, 14 range when I did the way too early mock. I dropped him back down to like 17 or 18 now. Like I, I think he's definitively into the third round. Um, yeah, I just – in PPR leagues, his upside just continues to – they've continued to put this ceiling on his potential upside. Kenny Drake is going to be a factor, even if Josh Jacobs is the lead back. You just need – so this, this goes back to, like, the Derrick Henrys and the Nick Chubbs and some of this of the world. of You need so much work to get there, to get to a certain point. Are you going to be that player? And we're very confident that Chubb and Derrick Henry are going to get that work. 
I'm not as confident now that you're going to get a repeat in the amount of workload that Josh Jacobs was giving you. Like, and if he doesn't, he's not going to catch enough passes to make up for it. Like this, this is the fantasy dynamic you have to weigh with running backs like him. Even though in fact, I think he's a better pass catcher than those other two backs. They're just not going to use him like that. So that hurts. Like it's the volume is going to get hurt there. I think Drake's a, you know, an end of the bench guy that gets interesting. I want to see how he gets used. I don't, it's quite frankly, I don't have a great read on what the Raiders want to do on offense because we never know. We really don't. And they've, and, and, so worth drafting? Sure. Worth putting in a flex spot? I'm not ready to go that far yet. So I, I think I would put Drake as a bench option. I look at Jacobs as a mid-level RB2 at this point, and I just go, I, I understand why they did it, but I also go, you have, to, to, you have to put more resources into that offensive line, that defense. And I understand he has a low cap hit this year, but – any sort of assets that you had, which you still have limited cap space, need to go elsewhere on this team. It's not bringing in a, another number two running back. Why does he not stay in Arizona for $3 million cheaper than they paid him the year before? I, that, that's a question to me. Like, with this Raiders offense, if these rookies come, you know, to fruition on the outside, you add John Brown, you got Waller. Derek Carr played a really high level last year. Love Jacobs. That's a great comp, by the way, in Derek Henry and Chubb. And especially this is really a lot like this Cleveland situation because they think – we think the Raiders want to run it as much as the Browns do, play action off of that Derek Carr's playing this Baker Mayfield role. But you just got rid of three offensive linemen that all have been to the Pro Bowl. And I love Richie Incognito as a Raider. And having guys like Incognito that are just straight dogs on the offensive line, you can't have enough of But that dog's getting old. That dog got one of them gray beards. He's probably missing a tooth or two that have been cracked. Like, he can still hang around. He will bite you in the ass if he needs to. Richie Incognito is not the guys they lost. How much of that can you replace? Derek Carr, before with a bad offensive line, we saw. Not, not great. Now, he's playing at a higher level. He's playing with more confidence. He's healthier than he was. But he's not great if he's got pressure in his face. The games that they got, he didn't play well last year. He was getting pressured a ton. And they couldn't run it against certain teams. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I love when a team adds a home run hitting threat. And Kenyon Drake is absolutely still a home run hitting threat. I don't know why Arizona lets him leave for $7 million, right? I mean, I made $10 million the year before. You have a hole at running back. You could still draft one and keep it and bring him back at $7 million. I, I love Chase Edmonds, but, and he's cheap, but I don't think he can carry the load. If they think that, it's interesting. Man. I don't, there's a lot of question marks on both of these. But as far as Josh Jacobs' fantasy value goes, I love this kid. He's a really, really good player. It, it went down tremendously in my eyes. It just feels, Jamie, that – Every time we, we kind of buy into Josh Jacobs of, oh, he's going to be the featured guy, something gets in the way that isn't something he's done, right? It's something yeah. that is happening behind the scenes, a Gruden decision or, or a signing or something that they do that makes us have to take a step back and kind of reconsider this. I mean, he played with a well. cracked scapula and a separated shoulder his rookie year and was still getting 20 carries a game being productive. He's, he's put his heart on the line for them. Last year he was healthy, and Jamie said Booker's getting two, three series stretches where we don't even see Jacobs. Like he was frustrating to own last year and still pretty solid. The kid is a star when used properly, and used properly, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. That one shocks me too. The Kenyon Drake thing, I love that they can move him around, right? They got some pieces if Ruggs can come on. Brian Edwards, I remembered his name. Thank you. There you go. Uh, there it can, is. Can, there it is. Can, 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 dude, you talk about a big, pretty son of a gun. Now, that's one of those combine guys you're like, Dude, who is this for? He has that. John Brown, I love the addition. But you still got to block. This is the Giants. This is what I was talking about earlier. We're going to talk about it again on the show. 
seven on seven OTAs, man, they are sexy in shorts. Woo, this looks good. The ball's flying around. Now we're going to rush the passer. And what happens? I mean, this is Von Miller's coming back in that division. Joey Bosa's going to be healthy. The Chiefs are going to blitz you. I don't know, man. And their defense. And by the way, by the way, we haven't even talked about this defense. Still sucks. Right, and and that put that offense in some really bad spots last year, where Derek Carr had to bail them out, and did on a number of occasions. And I don't know if Derek Carr is going to be able to do that with the way that this roster is constructed in terms of protection. So yeah, it's going to be a fascinating case study to see if what Gruden is trying to do here uh, it works, and we'll see. Maybe they'll take a lineman uh, with their first round pick. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Monday edition. We will be back on Wednesday. Uh, I feel like we hit the reset button on Wednesday, and we kind of take some of the guys that maybe are still out there. We'll, we'll pair them up uh, with some of their better fantasy fits. Does that sound good, gentlemen? Does that sound like a nice Wednesday edition of the show uh, to you guys? I think we might be doing that for months to come. Well, yeah. we'll start it's gonna it on be interesting. Wednesday. Then. There's going to be more cap casualty guys. There's gonna be, it's it's going to be fun. Yeah, well, well, then we will start that on Wednesday. Uh, Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social media? follow me at jamie eisner on twitter and at eisner fantasy on instagram jake where can everybody follow you on social media jake b arians on twitter and arians nfl on instagram follow me on twitter at shoe radio make sure you follow the show on twitter at tdn fantasy and as always the the draft content the fantasy content over at the draftnetwork.com. we'll talk to you on wednesday thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.